In this episode, Ryan and I discuss the importance of shared philosophy and how to think about who to work with. We enjoyed it. Hope you do too. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. And here we are on a beautiful, you know, Saturday morning, deep underground, undisclosed location, combating the coronavirus, COVID-19, and the uh, suppression of free economics, (laughs) whatever's left. Yeah, whatever's left. Free economy. Okay, so we, we, I, as usual, per use, sit down without, you know, notes or topics, but I quickly made some notes in the last five We minutes. always have plenty to talk about, and that's it's better when it comes naturally, I think. Yeah, but I mean, <clears throat> it's okay to be organized. There, there's no <laughs> shortage of scripted, planned out material on YouTube and throughout the internet it's strategically placed in the click funnel, right? It's for content oh, marketing. There's plenty of that. Uh, I had a, I had a conversation with an individual. He called nice guy and, uh, he's like, James, uh, you know, looked over your website. looks pretty good. And, uh, looked over some of your social media platforms. It looks, you know, pretty good, but that sure is a lot of work I've created. Oh, a, uh, inbound marketing program, <laughs> for advisors and uh you know i want you're in my inner circle so i want you to be in the beta group hadn't talked to him in a year right um so and he's just nice guy but he's telling me what i'm doing with marketing and how hard it is and god Hmm. bless him i just said hey mr so-and-so how much premium did you write last year (laughs) in the middle of his you know presentation to me and uh I said, "Oh, okay, thanks. Send me the email." Yeah, I'm just saying. I don't. I don't look at this as marketing, right? I, I don't have a click funnel, and I'm sure we're not expressly accused of that because no, it's a side eye, it's a sidearm, <laughs> left-handed compliment. It's whispered. You know? <laughs> well, you're doing it. You're yeah. marketing. They're not really the type of personalities you can just come forward and be like, "No, what you said is not what you are really doing." But um, yeah, it's not marketing. I mean, that that's there's a application to the agent side of things and you know when it, the the perception of what goes on in the industry is just so wrong that you know oh we can just split commissions i stories from the front lines client call not a client prospect suspect calls in uh didn't call in emailed in scheduled a call got on the call doesn't he have your phone number your cell phone nope number? that's been removed is from as far as many the people who have my number are my clients and I bet you they don't abuse it either. They, they're so respectful. Mm-hmm. Of course. It's so wonderful. So I won't put it in Clients the Clients are wonderful. They're Unless. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at 15 minutes through, you know, we do the first step in the process is a 20-minute call. I still will say, well, I've modified it a little bit. It used to be I'll give 20 minutes to anybody. And then you've poked at me a lot for that. So it's now modified. It's like, there's a little, there's a bit of screening. I'll give 20 minutes to almost anybody. Sure. And so we do it. And then 15 minutes through, this guy, you know, we had a pretty good conversation. And then towards the end, he said, well, you know, I've got my life insurance license. So uh, <laughs> an important part of this for me in choosing an agent is that, you know, we just make sure that it's clear that we're going to split the commission. Because <laughs> uh, you are overpaid. Right, right. Yeah. And, and that earning, you know, that compensation is like, you know, grossly unearned, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, you're not, you're not doing very much work. To oh, it's earn. just exploitation. Yeah. I'm just getting something for nothing. Yeah. 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 That is going to be chopped up and split and put into <laughs> one of these without permission, all these little click funnel videos. But, uh, so he's like, you know, and, and it's like, well, no, no, that's actually not what's going to happen. In fact, there's, I don't do that at all, at all anymore. Um, had mistakenly in the past, not all, there, there have been commission splits arrangements in the past that worked out well, but going forward, it's, it's not necessary. And there's better ways to to do that when a revenue share arrangement is appropriate. But um, so yeah, certainly not with. This is why agents love to listen. I know. Yeah. Always says we shouldn't spend as much time. I know. I should. I should stop. But they're part of the reason. And plus, uh, you know, they can't get this kind of information elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, and I appreciate all the agents listening. You know, but I, I uh, that's nothing new. You know, um, in my career, um, I've been told countless times, oh, yeah, I used to write life insurance or, oh, yeah, my dad wrote life insurance or, oh, yeah, I've had a license before. Well, hell, everybody and their brothers had a life insurance license, right? You mm-hmm. take A.L. Williams, multi-level marketing, and the new IMOs today that sell IUL on the IMO level, but it's really multi-level marketing level. Mm. I don't want to mention any names, but if you're a life insurance agent and you have an IMO contract, IMO is an um, independent marketing organization, many of which are owned by the life insurance companies. Mm. I mean, it's just like red flag after red flag, suspect after suspect. Yeah. You know, that is marginal business at best, in my opinion, IMO business. And, and I'm not saying anything that I don't clearly convey directly to um, every officer that I come in, contract, in contact with in the life insurance industry. I'm talking about VPs, presidents, vice presidents, CEOs, all the way up. Um, mm-hmm. They'll probably quit inviting me around, you know, because I continually bust their chops. Anyway, so I'm just saying that uh, very common oh yeah, I've had a life insurance license. Well, everybody's had a life insurance license. You know, it's, it's because everybody thinks it's easy and it's easy money and, you know, you're overpaid and and all your friends love you and want to buy from you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, so, these IMOs, they don't know how to sell life insurance. <laughs> right? they, don't, they don't know how to market uh, other than 1950, mm-hmm. knock on the door, mail card, or like the gentleman that called yesterday, oh, James, I've been looking at your website and all your online content, and, and you, you know, it's great content marketing, but it takes a lot of time and, and you know, blah, 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 and blah, yeah. blah, blah. I mean, that's like 2000 marketing, isn't it? <laughs> Creating content and then put it out on Facebook or wherever and put an offer out there with flashy ads that, you know, you can't escape from on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then, and I told the guy, Yesterday, I'm like, hey, you know, my skin's already crawling when you mention Facebook ads <clears throat> because I think it's fun for mm. me. I don't have much downtime, but when I pull up Facebook to see what's going on with my peeps all across the country whom I dearly love and have to socially distance from, I get <laughs> have to juice do. <laughs> <laughs> I get these ads, you know, it's like they're troll. I'm they're stalking ads on uh, anything to do with infinite banking. Um, or whatever variation there is, a special 10,000-year-old secret money supply or money mm. uh, code. Mm-hmm. So I get stalked, which everybody does. All of y'all get you know stalked by these Facebook ads. Right. I love the commentary when they're promoting annuities or they're promoting life insurance of any kind, whatever, however they name it. I love the commentary when they, when they don't turn off the comments. Oh my gosh, it's like so entertaining. <laughs> so the guy's talking to me yesterday and I'm like, yeah, I think that that's, you know, 1999 marketing and that's very entertaining for me. Yeah. Read that. I get those kind of things from LinkedIn a lot. Uh, oh the people who are the, the marketing gurus who want to contact and, and and then you know it's it's red flag after red flag already when it's every buzzword possible. Yeah. You know, we're going to generate new business, generate leads, and uh, I don't even inbound marketing. The, I don't even know the whole lexicon because I'm not interested. Right. You know, it's like okay, and it, which is not a good way to approach somebody in, in like a business to business context. It's like it, it might be a good idea to do a little bit of research and maybe watch a podcast. I don't know, and just see if that would even be appetizing. Right. And it's not. You know, and Part of me thinks is like, well, you know, we talked about the business and the industry and the agents, but I think this is also good for the consumer to hear no because what's not out there is much discussion of how to identify who to work with. And so we were talking shortly before we started that, you know, someone had emailed in and was asking you if there was somebody who you knew in this particular the Northeast area of the country. U.S. Yeah. And, but then finish that com, finish that email with, or is distance even important? Right. And that's kind of, which, no. I, I mean, you might want to see somebody in person, but it's not necessary. It's not sure. necessary. We were people all over the country. But 
what I like in that is a recognition of what people don't know, you know, and that's great. Like if, if we're aware of what we don't know, awesome. We can go and demystify and clarify and specify and articulate all that and mm -hmm. identify the unknowns and then go and address them so that they become known, right? That, that's great. And the opposite of it, yes. <laughs> where it's where we're not cognizant, where we just not even aware of what's not known yet operate from what we already do know. It's, and this goes, it's all back to Nelson. It's the arrival syndrome. It's just a variation of the arrival syndrome. It's that we've already arrived. Where else is there to go? We've ar we're already there. Yeah, well, you know? And the noise, you know, if you don't know what you don't know, um, that is just recognizing that there may be something that we don't know, mm -hmm. right? That's, I mean, who, who doesn't want to be in that position? And the position that we don't want to be in is the exact opposite. We don't want to be taken advantage of because we don't know right. something. That, that's where the click funnel of marketing, kind of smoke and mirrors, you know, shell game. My words, and I'm not talking about anyone in particular. It's like, oh my gosh, Nelson never did extravagant illustrations, PowerPoints, and examples of how you can get a 14% rate of return. Ever. Right. Ever. And I think sometimes there's a disconnect, like people think that, not all people, but there's a perception that the marketing is one thing, and then the experience with doing business with that entity is a separate thing. And they're, they're not, right? It's like, you, you know a, a, a tree by its fruit. You know, you, it, it, the, I call it drive, you know, it's like fast food. Fast food's available. It's out there. Yeah. You, you can go eat that if you want. I In mean, a if, short amount of time. If you're not afraid to capitalize, thinking long term, want to be an honest banker, thinking intergeneration, like if you're abiding by what Nelson taught, maybe you don't go do the fast food approach to finance. And so it's like, it, my, my, what I want to get to here is that helping people put together a way to think about choosing someone to work with. And I'm not even saying you got to choose me or you. I mean, it's not about that. It's like putting be the better choice. Be, I mean, saying. you'd be right. You <laughs> can't go wrong. But uh, the, I get people on the phone and they're exasperated. They're confused, frustrated, uh, irritated. And, and the, the confusion and the irritation and the frustration comes from the uncertainty of it all and not not having anything to hang our thinking on, mm -hmm. right? Uh, proper classification, it all goes back to Nelson, proper mm -hmm. classification. You know, you, in order to properly classify, you need a classification system, you know, and, and how to, so how to discern the sort of individual you would want to work with. So wait, wait, and now you classify things by their major characteristics. Okay, so mm -hmm. it's not like we have to have some unknown esoteric method or system of classification. Right. Right? It's I mean, easy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's available to us. <laughs> it's apparent. Yes. If you're paying attention. Yeah. Right, and, and everyone is paying attention, my uh, belief. Yeah, right. and, um, and, to a, and to an extent, like I harp, I harp a lot on this, on illustrations. Everybody I talk to, it's like, I, before we even talk about illustrations, I always say, now you've heard the podcast, so you know how I feel about illustrations, and then they always laugh. And, and so I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, don't get me wrong, but- Please don't. <laughs> but I, at the same time, I feel for the people who think they're doing what Nelson taught, who think they're doing infinite banking as it was enumerated and explained in Becoming Your Own Banker, who end up with the fast food, who oh, end yeah. up with, mm -hmm. let me get an illustration in front of you fast enough. And I've had people who reach out and say, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because I can tell this is, it's a passionate kind of thing. Sure. And yes, it absolutely is. You know? They like the dark, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's it, this is one of the things that gets me triggered, that gets me passionate, is the the treatment of uh, of the concept of the product of of just the contract of dividend paying whole life. I mean, put a, you put aside the whole infinite banking concept philosophy. Just the abuse of the contract alone is irritating. 
Well, that, you know, and, you could, but then you add it, it's all additive. You know, you, when it rains, it pours. Yeah. And if one thing's gone wrong, it's like, mm, you know, there's probably a list. Maybe not. Maybe not. Things, other things could be fine, and it could be one fluke, maybe uh, one one element of the process that that just doesn't seem to fit. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. usually not the case. You know, usually well, we're all case. human. You know, we can make a mistake or overlook something, and and I do. I mean, we've got mistakes that are constantly being sorted. Not constantly. But we're regularly examining the processes to improve and to sure. optimize from there. And <clears throat> well, you know, the not knowing what you don't know, recognizing that, um, I think is a great position. I know as a young man, one of the one of the uh, turning points in my philosophy, foundational philosophy, is I don't have to know everything. I don't have to be responsible for everything, mm. and I it's probably best that I don't know everything. Right? So I'm in a position that I know I don't know everything. I don't even know what I don't know. But what I do know, um, I know. Right? And, and I'm open to learning. You know, I had a conversation with a banker the other day. He's telling me I'm sorry to you know, one thing. And, and yeah, no question. Um, he had a degree, too. So I speak English. Mm. He speaks English, right? Um, but we, we, there was a failure to communicate as mm. uh, that old... Uh, cool hand Luke would say, what we have here is a failure to communicate. <laughs> so if you're 45-ish or more or older, you know, you, do you know who Cool Hand Luke was? Oh my gosh, Steve McQueen, black and white movie, Cool Hand Luke. You gotta look it up, okay? All right. So I'm talking with a banker. He's educated, has a degree, prestigious Texas college. I know he can read. I know he speaks <laughs> English. I know he can communicate. But I mean, I had to had to convey a concept. I, I attempted to convey convey a concept four times in a short conversation, yeah. and he wasn't getting it. You know, so I mean, you have to try. That prompt might have not been on the script that he's oh. used to following. So. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm just saying that uh, it's okay not to know, but you get into a position if you if you fall for these easily low level, very shallow. Uh, uh, products or um, constructs mm. of life insurance. So, because, and what I'm saying is, there's a lot of stuff out there. You got to step over a lot of junk to get to some good stuff, in my opinion. And and I think this is some good stuff right here. And there's a bunch of it. So spend time there, um, and then compare and compete and, and you know contrast and do whatever it is you got to do or want to do or you need to do to make the best decision for you and your family um but we get a lot of contacts from people that is like i've done this mm. then i discovered you and the podcast mm-hmm. y'all and yep. it's like would you look at this or you know i'm not okay with this anymore <clears throat> um or how bad a mistake did i make and and so there's a lot of that and it's okay. Look, we're all playing catch up. When we discover the infinite banking concept, and it wasn't twenty years ago, you know, we're all playing catch up. I don't care how old you are. So, and and I understand we're aging. We're all aging in this conversation. Right? Time is of the essence. But you don't have to uh, shortcut your learning curve and make a decision that's not, you know, maybe in the best interest. Yeah. In your best interest. Yeah, a lot of a lot of this revolves around you know how to approach the conversation, how to find somebody, how to you know, mm-hmm. how, how to figure out what you do and don't know, and what still needs to be uh, identified and then understood. And and I, I want to set the context here. I mean, becoming your own banker was published in two thousand. We're here in twenty twenty. Okay, twenty years. Nelson Nash Institute was it twenty eleven twenty thirteen. I think it was Infinite Banking Institute, and then it was Nelson Nash Institute. It was 2012, because I released the Banking with Life DVD 2013, 100-year anniversary of the Federal Reserve. Okay. And that was at the first formal Nelson Nash Institute think tank. Prior to that, it was just, you know, Nelson Nash think tank. So, round numbers, round up, 10 years of, like, systematic, Mm -hmm. uh, as an industry, a cognizant, into a self-aware niche within the industry and then people actively working in it. And then, then you look at something like YouTube and you look at the things revolving around just in this general world of dividend paying whole life, of uh, banking, the, cash all, flows, <laughs> life insurance, all the various <clears throat> terminology. Rate of return, rate of return, rate yeah. of return. What's that? Maybe five years 
if that again I'm being generous uh, of like a, of, of real active promotion <clears throat> online of this kind of stuff that and it's heat it's always heating up there's always more oh my gosh you yeah. Know? yeah yeah and mm-hmm. you always discover a new 20 year old who's brand new but they've been you know spent the last 10 years of their life studying it <laughs> Uh, or wait, the older guy who just discovered that you know he can he can record himself on an iPhone, right? Or the older person. I'm not. Listen, I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do all this stuff. So this is but, new. Mm-hmm. Point is, this is oh, fairly no new. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's legitimate that people are searching for a way to figure out how to correctly identify a good fit for them and. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how to go and approach somebody like, do you, I mean, I'm as libertarian as they come, but I do have a few suggestions, right? And one of them is, is not necessarily to put someone on the hot seat and be like, I'm going to quiz you or I'm going to vet you, you know, <laughs> oh that, my gosh. that antagonistic, hostile sort of, I'm not interested. And if you start off by throwing around big numbers, I'm extra not interested, yeah. you know? <clears throat> so there are certain things that are a turnoff and there are certain things though that it, oftentimes it comes from a good place. You know, you're wanting to get well, it to- It comes from what they don't know. Right. I mean, a lot often it comes from, you know, I don't know life insurance, right? I don't know financial. I don't deal with a lot of financial people. And so you're already suspect as a salesman, you're going to sell me something. I'm talking from the consumer standpoint. Yeah, yeah. And so they come, it's like very- offensively defensive yes yes because you know talk about stories from the front lines and things and the last one that like triggered me it's 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 almost an insult you know there are 10 questions submitted in an email (laughs) and the eight times out of 10 (laughs) questions eight times there was a question on my commission yeah and and it's like wait a minute you're you're worried about the wrong thing. Yeah. Right? Because um, anyway. I mean, it's a, I had a, there was a gentleman who, new to the process, I hope it works out, um, we had a great first conversation, was probably the best experience I've had of somebody legitimately inquiring about how pay works in the business. Sure. Because they don't know. They don't know. And that's. And they don't know how yeah. to ask about it, really. Right. Other than straightforward, want... how do you get paid? I tell my clients exactly how I get paid yeah. and have no qualms about it. Right. And you know what? My clients want me to get paid. Yeah. They do not want me to work for free. Right. And I don't want, I don't, I don't want anybody, I don't, I don't want the IT people to work for free. I don't want the yard guy, they the lawn guy. The, I mean, <laughs> huh? So the IT people could work for less. <laughs> True that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. But it, so the way he approached it was, and of course, he had been a business owner, built a successful business, sold it, was now working for the company, helping manage with the company that he had sold the business to and had clients understood the way. And so genuinely didn't know. And so I don't want people to get the impression that, oh, you can't ask about pay. You know, it's like, no, that's it's legitimate to ask about it. Doesn't sure. hurt to watch the podcast. We've talked about it a lot, but you can also ask about it. I mean, I'll repeat what I said, The and that's fine. Uh, what it goes off the rails when it gets hostile or antagonistic. And right. if you feel, you know, in, in anything, <clears throat> if I'm in a situation as, an, as a consumer myself in any line of business where I'm uncomfortable, where I, f- I have to feel antagonistic and I have to extract oh, information from a service provider or a seller of some item or good or service, it's just that's just not something I'm interested in doing, and I'm not interested on on as a in a business a commercial capacity in being involved in perpetuating that kind of relationship. Frankly, Absolutely. because it gives capitalism a bad name, right? And I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in it philosophically. I'm not interested in it professionally. I'm not interested in it personally. Personally, and so that's getting back to where I was going here with this is that my positive encouragement is, you know. It, it, you don't have to seek it out antagonistically, but I believe, especially with something that's such a, a big decision, a financial decision of this magnitude of, you know, you're changing the way you manage your finances for maybe not even your own life, but also your kids' lives and their kids' lives. Like, it's a big decision. And so it's okay for questions of philosophy and values to come up early on 
you know, and I don't get asked. I have never once been asked, hey, Ryan, what, what's, your, what's your philosophy on policy design? Nobody asked me that. But you think I'm, it's because they don't know or they already know? I, I think that it just, I, I don't think it occurs to people to ask about it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fine. They don't have to ask about it. I'm going to bring it up, right? And I'm going to say, you know, and I've said it before on this, uh, maybe once or twice before, you know, philosophy in terms of policy design or policy management or the infinite banking concept is like philosophy in other areas of life. Most people have not articulated it. Mm-hmm. They just haven't spent the time. Sure. And my encouragement is that we should. Consumers should. The industry should. Life insurance companies should. Like, it's okay to spend time because that, and what I've, where I'm going with this is that, you know, we talk about how, you know, just because we appear on the practitioner finder at the Nelson Nash Institute does not mean that everybody else who also appears there does business the same way. And, <clears throat> oh, correct. And the, and the longer I spend and the more time I spend with clients, the more I see just in, in the various ways that's true. Right, and and it's really helped me because I used to get, uh, I mean, I still get fired up about it, no question. But I used to, it's it's taken some of the edge off when I see the other internet, not the other. I'm not lumping myself in with it. When I see Please the don't. internet marketer type people right. who you know put up the illustrations and the third party software and they run the super questionable comparisons. Side note: <laughs> if you if you're if you're gonna post a video and you're going to attempt to prove strong word super strong word you're going to attempt to prove an approach you have using not only illustrations bad enough but illustrations from different companies i mean and third-party software without mentioning other things like the recognition policy or no. dividend payment history or whether there's loans outstanding there, uh, there there's a book called um how to lie with statistics oh my gosh uh illustrations is just it's one manifestation of ways to it it, and it's not even like i'm not even assuming that people are being malicious doing it i think it's all that most people in the business feel they have to work with and so that's what they're using i'm not even sure the life insurance companies are super wild that, about no. their illustration software being shown on youtube <clears throat> oh, they, surely they can't <laughs> be no I've, I've listened there's only two types of advisors out there that promote things like index universal life the greatest latest product designed by wall street and the life insurance companies foisted on the mm. unsuspecting american mm. public i've said this for 10 years um and then, and, and, and so, whenever, there's only two types, whenever an advisor is mesmerizing the client with illustrations and third-party software, there's two types of agents or advisors that do that, in my humble opinion, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate email and the dislikes, I get it, you know, if you oh, keep coming dislikes. back and listening and you're an agent to hit dislike, just move on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. They're either honest and they mm. don't know what they don't know, mm. which is legitimate, or they're less than honest and they know what they're doing. Mm. My opinion, two types. I've said this across the country in rooms full of agents. Um, so I'm not saying anything new here. Um, and then, so that's for you to determine. Yeah. Right. Caveat emptor. You know, Okay. Um, and then you have the dependency. So the agent, the advisor who doesn't know, right, the difference between products and illustrations mm, and, mm. And, uh, and designs and things like that, then they're becoming dependent upon that third-party software mm-hmm. to make a sale, to get to the yes. Somebody can say, oh, those numbers are great. I believe it. Yes, transaction happens. Somebody gets paid. And, um, and I just think that there's a better way. So if you don't start at the philosophy of the infinite banking concept, which is clearly conveyed in Nelson's work, you need not have to be a rocket scientist. And I don't, I, I have no sympathy for, it's typically the agent or, or the advisor says, no, I'm not gonna read a book. Or, oh, we're not gonna make you read a book. Man, if you wanna do business with an ignorant, mm. which is not a bad word, they don't know. Yeah. Client, tell me, let me know. I don't, I don't even want you to know how 
I don't want you to tell me how that works out. I know how it works out. I yeah. see it, and I have seen it for 30 years. Yeah. The best solutions come from an educated client and an educated advisor, my opinion. Mm. Okay? So if you make a mistake and everybody's educated, that's probably an honest, legitimate mistake. Mm-hmm. But if one's less than knowledgeable or ignorant on a subject and one is and there's some disadvantage being taken advantage of i'm like oh my gosh i can't stand that Mm -hmm. all right so i'm just saying that part of that's part of the noise right um just running all these illustrations third-party software i've got a client coming up this is going to be a guest a relatively new client been in has practiced the infinite banking concept for over 10 years Right, and right after he started, and I don't want to tell his whole story, but um, if you listen to the guest podcast, you'll <laughs> episode, you know, you'll be able to make this connection. The guy met Nelson, you know, hmm. ten or eleven, ten years ago. Loves the idea. He goes all in. His agent retires that year. Or the next year, he gets assigned by the company as an orphan to another. Mm. agent who happened to be in an IMO that said he knew something about the infinite banking concept. Mm. And so the guy's out there flailing in the wind, pretty much doing the right thing. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, <clears throat> you know, and then starts doubting himself, right? And, and, and gets engaged with some of these marketers that we're speaking of or about the same type of marketer that we're yep. talking about. And so they take him through this third-party software to show him how bad his 10-year-old policy is compared to the latest, greatest version of whatever the guy was promoting, Mm. right? And has him convinced, walks away from these uh, online meetings feeling like he has made such a mistake over the last 10, can't believe he, when he thought he was doing the right thing, felt terrible about it. And I don't, he... He reached out. We had a couple of conversations, and I just went through his policy and showed him how it was performing. I hate to even use that word. I know. What he could do, what it has done, where he's at. And he was amazed. He's like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. It was You would never get rid of that policy. I mean, I'm like, I'd write you a check for that today. Ooh, right. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my gosh. So that was manipulation. based on ignorance, his ignorance, and somebody manipulating it with third-party software. I mean, it's just one thing that's wrong in the industry. Yeah. So it is okay to, and if you look at the NNI Practitioners Program, um, I don't vouch for those individuals individually. I know an awful lot of them. The ones I know, I would vouch for. The ones I don't know, I don't know. Right. Right, but I'm an ardent, ardent supporter of the Nelson Nash Institute. Right, so, um, and I'm okay with that. You know, that's a place that professionals can learn about the infinite banking concept from the original source, right? Are they perfect? No, they're all human beings. They're not perfect. But I must say, lately, over the last several weeks, and I don't ask for them, and I'm not asking you to send me any illustrations, okay? If I want you to send me an illustration, I will directly ask you, would you please send that? which is going to be a very, very rare occasion. Um, <clears throat> but I'm saying all that to say this. Somebody reached out to our office through the practitioner's program and sent um, these illustrations from two other practitioners, from two other companies, mm. two other designs. And I didn't ask for them. And he and he's asking me to look at them and then to you know, give him a solution. I have a phone call. And I'm like, why are you calling me is what I ask. Mm. Why are you calling me? Well, I expect this based on some of this uh, trash that's out in the big <laughs> wide world. His expectations were completely unrealistic and out of line yeah. for a legitimate policy design yeah. that is not going to um, jeopardize the integrity of a policy. Okay. Stay with me, Mr. Griggs. I'm with you. Like, All right. So first question was, why are you calling us? Mm-hmm. Have you considered these two? And the and I and I was so proud. I even called David, or I didn't call him, but in the next conversation that David Stearns and I had had, I said, "Oh, by the way, these two um, particular illustrations were some of the best illustrations I've seen." You know, and I was of very the bunch. <laughs> yes, I mean, but they they came from 
practitioners of the Nelson Nash Institute. So I yeah. made me very proud. And then I just scolded the man, <clears throat> you know, in, a, in love, right? Like, quit looking. Your your expectations are out. Make a decision with one of these gentlemen and move on. Mm. Embrace it and love it and do it, you know? So. Hmm. Well, that's a positive story. That's It's a very positive story. I haven't had an experience like that yet. <laughs> that's great that it happens. Yeah, it is. I, I was quite pleased that it happened, you know? Um, so. Yeah, great. Awesome. Um, I didn't know either one of the individuals. I'm just looking at the illustration, huh. understanding what that man was telling me and what he was said he was told them. They built a solution, and I'm like, then this is you. This is not them. I wonder what was missing from that. Like what? He well, I think he wanted he to go needed... cash on cash in three years. I think. Okay. That was one of the things. <laughs> and then the other was fast food. I don't even remember what the other ones were, but I mean, he didn't even know mm-hmm. what he needed to ask. He didn't yeah. know what he didn't know. So you have marketers trying to take advantage of your ignorance, mm. right? In yeah. my opinion. And the others, and he could view them all as marketers. I don't know. From my point of view, it's like he couldn't do either one of those quick enough. Yeah. I think what happens out there a lot is because there is a lot of uncertainty and confusion and dividend paying whole life's an unknown asset and people have never heard the words infinite banking and concept put together in one phrase before. And most people have never got the chance to meet Nelson. Most people won't go buy his uh, six hour, eight hour, however long it is, seminar. It's eight hours. The, <clears throat> I think the one that's on sale is six, but it's- Okay, yeah. sorry, mine. He, he did different iterations, and this was one from later, I think it was in 2012, and it, I th- it was at the, when he did the later ones, some of them he abridged and were short. Yeah, that was the one he was supposed to shoot at my venue. In it the, might actually be at your venue. Oh, I really? I think he says, because he, I hear, I've heard your voice in the background. I think oh, it's- perfect. If it's not here, it was in Fort Worth, I think. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be here. It'd probably be in Fort Worth. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, uh, a lot of people haven't had that experience. They haven't had the exposure. And so the default, I think human beings just naturally, we, we want what's right. We want the correct solution. Yeah. And so we look for what's correct in, in order to then sort out the other things as incorrect. And I, my suggestion is that a more... A fruitful operational approach could be to just search for what aligns with what you want to do, right? Uh, now, I, I mean, I think there is a right way and an incorrect way, a right way and a wrong way to build dividend paying whole life. But I'm also cognizant of the fact that that my value judgment there is based on the philosophy that I bring to what we're doing, to infinite banking and to dividend paying whole life. And so, listen, if you want a policy, because you used, we said, and we've talked about it in the past, the idea that the integrity of a policy could be jeopardized. I mean, that's value-laden language, no question. I mean, we mean every word of it. Um, but listen, at the end of the day, if somebody wants that, I mean, who? what am I going to do? Am I going to go tackle you and, like, you know, prevent you from signing the dotted line? Like, if you want to eat fast food, go eat fast food. You know, it, it's... If that's what you, somebody don't, asks, don't expect for your numbers to become grossly out of line. Yeah, eating fast food, right? Exactly. Just know what you're getting. I mean, waist I, size. My expense. encouragement, my hope would be that you know what you're getting. And I don't and, think they do most of the time, right? <clears throat> but or they wouldn't do that. Exactly. I mean, if you knew the result of eating, you know, fast food for twenty years, would you legitimately eat fast food for twenty years? No. I mean, but it feels good. It looks right. The advertising's nice. The people it's easy. It's were presented. Convenient. Yeah, it's convenient. We should probably get they made it simple. Pizza they didn't make me read a book. Oh my gosh! Right. Right. It, uh, the, yeah. the analogy really lines up. I'm not claiming too much credit there, but the analogy <laughs> really lines up. Okay. But all I'm saying is that it it comes down to does the philosophy align. Are you are you abiding by what Nelson suggested? Are you Can thinking long term? Can I just long-term? get a policy? I mean, do I have to go through this long, drawn-out process of discovery of what is right for someone? Listen, if you want to pay a premium, if you want to take a major <laughs> life-altering financial decision and commoditize it and hope to get it done in two weeks, okay. I mean, there's plenty of opportunity for that to happen. Yeah, it doesn't really happen here. 
well, I won't allow it to happen. I mean, the same gentleman I was referring to earlier, we had a very positive conversation. Uh, he's like, I really like your approach. I could tell you're very passionate, but it's not pushy. Like I can tell you're not trying to get the sale done. And I said, well, I'm glad that that comes through. I mean, I never explicitly said that to him, but I didn't say, listen, I'm not trying to push you, you know, but he understood that from my you way know if of my You have to approach. say that if you're if we're engaged yeah, in something and you problem. have to say that you're not pushing, I'm going to automatically assume right. that you're pushing. Right. Well, and so I I even told him I was like in fact the I have the opposite problem most of the time is that I got to slow people down. Yeah. It's like absolutely. no, we we have to you need to if I go out and hit I tell every client of mine that's listened to this has heard this before, you should know how to you should know what you own, why you own it, and how to maintain it so that if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, you're not in the dark. Yep. And and which is and then I and I say, you know, it's, we want it to be I'm giving all this away for free, all these agents listen to this, but that's <laughs> okay. I, I tell people, you know, I, you, I, you shouldn't need me. It's becoming your own banker. And that, what I have found, oh what I have found is that people are like, Well, what if I want to call you? <laughs> and, and then that's why I have to say, well, what was, you know. I want that to be where we start. That should be the foundation. And once that foundation is laid, we can build from there. And the nature of those conversations, like I've had a few as I was traveling to California to visit family this past couple of weeks, had a couple of calls on the road with current clients who just wanted to know my opinion on what's going on with the dollar, what's going on with the Fed. What's He's trying on? to work into Austrian economics right here. Well, I'm just saying Good that, job, that was the nature. Perfectly. <laughs> that was just the nature of these conversations. But they didn't need me. They didn't need those conversations in order for them to manage what they've already <clears throat> acquired. Sure. Right. It, it, it's just we, we, we now have the ability as independent, autonomous individuals to have a mutually beneficial conversation. And it's like. What's that worth? And so this same gentleman who was like, oh, we need to split commission because I have a life insurance license. Yeah, he was. He also said, well, okay, if we can't do the policy, maybe I could just hire you. On. And by the way, let me say, because he listens. Hold on, because he, he I'll listens. I'll pay you for your time. He listens to this, to the podcast, and he's, oh, okay. he's, he's watched my... Um, uh, the, the talk I gave in 2019 and 2020, and he had very nice things to say about He's probably a great guy. capital and, and the stuff, that, and he said that really helped him see it. So I'm not being hard on him, but I'm just being hard on some a, of the things. an example? Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's just what it is. Like, we don't agree on that. And I told him, I was like, I'm, we're not going to be able to work together. But one of the things but he said- But y'all did come to an agreement, right? And well, I told him how it was going to go. <laughs> uh, but, but he, but one of the things he said was, uh, you know, I, but maybe I could hire you as a, on a like a fee basis. And I'm like, I mean, I'll tell you a number, but it's going to be really high, like because the 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 lack of understanding about the nature of opportunity cost. It's not that I want to. You know, exploit people and take all their money and be a service. I don't even want to do that. Like I don't even put up the option. You can't go to my website and click hire Ryan as a consultant, right? It doesn't happen. Don't and, you have a speaker's fee though? I mean, when the lockdown. Uh, <laughs> you got to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, that there can be ways that that happens, but I don't, we don't publicize it. I'm not interested in it because, <laughs> because the value, the opportunity cost is so high. And I've, I've even had agents I've had to explain this to. It's like, there are certain things I can't do. I, I don't, and it's not because I don't want to. If I had endless time, if, I, if there weren't 24 hours a day in a day, and if I was immortal, then I could spend all my personal time doing all the things I want to do. Of course. But in a commercial capacity, opportunity, well, opportunity cost applies in both, but especially in a commercial capacity where there really is a monetary price on things. It's like... <clears throat> An hour spent with a client who, I mean, the, the, the contract's been signed, right? The commission cycle, in fact, he was more than a year into the process. The, you know, there was no giant check in the mail because we were having this conversation, right? <laughs> that, but the quality of the conversation was tremendous. And it's like, if I could have that kind of conversation with somebody who I've built the appropriate relationship with, we've laid the proper foundation, we've gone through a process, if I can have that conversation or I can go charge somebody who I don't know, a relationship that I haven't built that's already starting off on the wrong footing, I don't even know if our philosophy aligns. Mm. And, and, you, and you're gonna pay me? It's like, uh, yeah. 
no thank you then that then you know in that situation that implies or that would then imply that money is the object right you know it's like and it's so not <clears throat> well you know you, you there's a lot there i don't want to jump over all of it because uh you know this is becoming your own banker i've talked about that two years ago in the think tank it is becoming your own banker and whenever you have clients call you right um, and there's nowhere to put this on the illustration, right? Um, or your fee structure, your commission structure, yeah. your enumeration, whatever you want to call it. We all get paid. Nobody works for nothing. Nobody works for free, nor should they. Every worker is worthy of his hire. Okay. Um, becoming your own banker. I had, a, I had about three or four conversations this week with the existing clients, or I think one of them was like very early becoming a client, you know, um, gone through a taking delivery of his first policy, which is a legitimate young man. I'm very proud of you. And as a matter of fact, I'm very proud of all of our clients because I feel like they get it and they've done their research and they, my clients generally know more than the average agent in the life insurance and the industry. above average agent. I'm telling you. So, and it takes time. You cannot get that in a 30 minute podcast you cannot get that in a one-hour phone call you cannot get that from reading nelson's book i'm a slow reader it took me three and a half to four hours um and i had to do it more than once um anyway a couple of conversations several conversations this week and well james you know i'm buying this i'm buying that should i do this with the loan and, and that and what should i do how should i look at this correctly because we're all surrounded by noise yeah day in day out every one of us um, when it comes to the infinite banking concept and we're into it you know, and we're going down these deep dives and these rabbit holes and all of this stuff and all of this reading and all this latest book everybody's got a dead gum book out and God bless you for reading I mean I wish I had the time to read I legitimately have three books within me and I think four or five you, I know you have two and I know we could create a couple alright time is scarce so I'm just saying um, these people are doing the right thing. They're building capital, number one, number one in all of economics, number one, capital, capital formation. It is not, the infinite banking concept is not about a rate of return. It is about who is controlling the banking function. And everything, every life insurance policy, I don't care if it's stock company, mutual company, direct, non-direct, IUL, UL, VUL, IUL, Index Universal Life. Okay, they've dropped the I, right? Uh, or no, they used to be fixed Index Universal Life. Now they've dropped the F and it's Index Actually Universal index, Life. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that was two, Equity Index Universal Life, and there's two or three of them. It's funny how the companies change their names, and I can continue on that too. Um, you know, I do want to come back to that because words have meaning. All right, words have meaning. They have power as well. And you change the words, you can attempt to change the meaning. So then we can attempt to convey and keep people in confusion. Right? It's just... Oh, uh, and, you, and you start pointing out the meaning of certain words, like the what uh, annually renewable means and annually renewable term. Mm-hmm. Ooh, people don't like that. No. Okay, wait, wait. <laughs> don't, don't throw me off here. All right. The, the look at this pandemic, right, which is is what it is. There's a legitimate virus, and there's more than one strain, and there, one may be more contagious and deadly than the other. Still, I think a 99.9578% survival rate, thank God. Okay. <clears throat> um, I think about 20, I don't know. I think a, a, in a 15 to 20% of the small businesses are probably not going to be able to recover. Oh, that's and generous. I'm, I know I'm being generous. All right. So, and I think if a large majority of those companies that will not be able to recover, if they had had access to capital, they might have been able to last longer and maybe even potentially recover. Okay. So, or adequately exit. On their own terms, controlled terms. So, who's controlling the banking function? Right. Okay. Um, I don't want to, uh, I just want to kind of wrap this up. <clears throat> the conversations I've had, these people are have the noise on them. They got to get the noise off. We all have to do that. 
is capital formation. Oh, you mean in the real estate industry, in the real estate business, a lot of deals have been closed. These real estate deals are not, they're, they're, they're maintaining liquidity, reducing maybe distributions, right? Because it's a smart thing to do. Who could have predicted that six months ago? Who could have predicted that we're all going to be in a lockdown? You know, which is unconstitutional, illegitimate, unreasonable, and unscientific. I know that's a big debate out there. Oh, you're anti-science. What? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> becoming, and I spoke about this several years ago at the Nelson Nash Think Tank. This is becoming your own banker. It took Nelson 14 years to get rid of the snakes and dragons. All right. And he said the ordinary... American, it would take about 14 years. And this was in 1980. The man had been buying life insurance, paying for it since he was 14 years of age. Mm -hmm. He became a licensed life insurance agent in 1964, 50 years later. He had been buying life insurance, became a life insurance agent, and now go forward 16 more years to 1980, 64. I should be better with math, I know. 16. Okay, 1980. Yeah has all this uber amount of outstanding loans through third-party lenders. And he's even generous in his book. He doesn't talk about the attorney that bankrupted on him and his other partner. There were three partners in a deal. One bankrupted the attorney, and he did not. The other partner did not. So they, the two partners that did not file bankruptcy assumed the third party's liability. So even going through his story in 1980, becoming your own banker, he's not even, he's being generous, you know, why? Because it's almost like he didn't want to scare people with the numbers. Yeah. All right, and so my point is becoming your own banker. It took him 14 years. I'm talking to two or three clients. It was actually four clients, three existing, one new, just trying to get their mind around, am I doing the right thing? Is this working like it's supposed to? Um, we're doing this, that, and the other. And all of these, life happens. Mm. All of these things that we couldn't predict happens, right? Whenever you have a proper structure right, with a legitimate, well-run mutual life insurance company that pays dividends even when there's outstanding loans, and you build it correctly so the consumer, the owner, can maintain control into the unknown future, it is, hands down, that is how you start, where you start from, and how you become your own banker. So, thanks for letting me go on that ramp. You're welcome. <clears throat> I'm just saying, that's part of keeping people between the lines. Nelson would say, the hardest job he ever had was keeping his clients between the lines. Now, think about that. Why? Because they're walking around. I ask people, I ask my clients all the time, who do you know that's paying the same amount of premium? And I'll throw dollar amounts out. Who do you know is paying X number of dollars in premium and life insurance? Oh, I don't. I said, they're the Lone Ranger. We used to give out the Lone Ranger Award when we did live events. Hmm. Nelson Nash talks about the Lone Ranger in his book. Very, I don't remember what page it is. And so, and, you know, 15 years ago, you didn't have all these videos and things on the internet. You legitimately feel like the Lone Ranger an yeah. awful lot of the time. So, part of keeping people between the lines. It's okay to stay on the lines. Mm -hmm. Stay between the lines. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, I want to end with the, going back to that. Wait, wait. Do we have to end? Uh, you have a, yeah, you have a meeting in 15 minutes. Uh, I want to go back to how, on the philosophy point. Like, there are certain things that, you know, I've made comments. I wrote a blog about that really ruffled feathers about the use of annually renewable, an annually renewable term writer oh or a blended gosh. term PUA writer, and that just really got <laughs> a couple agents go. But um, oh, because when they do it, and it's like the shoe fits, wear it, mm. and then that like uh, triggers them. They have to justify their actions. Yeah, I mean, that's when they when when their when their clients walk into the agent's <laughs> office with Ryan Griggs's article or James Nethery's, you know. Banking with Life DVD and references our podcast. Yeah. He calls that individual to, why aren't we doing this? Or this is, how does this line up? And they're like, oh my gosh, then they're defensive. They've got to defend their position. Yeah. Yeah. And so I understand why they get angry. Mm -hmm. And with the, I just want to call it 
what I've come to see it as, and it's it's not just with this blended term PUA rider that uses annually renewable term, but it's also with indexing the dividend. I've oh. had people contact me and tell me how they have decided not to work with others because they could not come to terms after this was raised in the discussion. Yeah. And that to me is legitimate. And to others, I understand, I know that the advisors think that I'm nitpicking, but I'm not because what this is, is trying to sneak in elements of universal life yep. into dividend paying whole life. Yep. And the reason it's done is so that you can illustrate something better. That's right. That's it's all just that's like, happening. No question that I can't wait to, you know, we get to the work of index universal life insurance and the multipliers that they use to get around the NA national association of insurance commissioners, allowable interest that you can illustrate on a universal life policy. There's multipliers in the industry that they can use to go above those yeah. and still remain legal. It's like, um, I know that's a carrot. I'm throwing that out there. It's coming. Um, well, I'll make it real simple. Here's why. With dividend paying whole life, you have to illustrate from the current experience of the company. What? With an index, anything indexed, you can start using historical time periods. That's right. And so it's, and, and what, what time period? Oh, I don't know. Let's pick the highest one. Arbitrary, yeah. Or the intermediate. What, which one well, illustrates best? Yeah, exactly. And that's what, and that's why I'm so hard on it. I tell people, we get to illustrations. There's a part in the process. It's at the end, right? And then, and now that people have, they've watched the podcast, they've read the book, we've had our conversations, and it's like, oh. And I show them how you can manipulate an illustration to make that puppy dance. And it, it's like, and then, then we never have to talk about it again. It's, it's, it's all, it's laid out, but this is one of the things. And it's, so yeah, I'm, I'm not. And it, so the, the story I was referencing there about an advisor that got upset about, we had to have a conversation and everything. And I, st I stood by it and, and it's like, show me where I'm wrong. In a, in a, in a lengthy, well-written article yeah in, in the form of an email and and then there's like one or two word responses <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know what at the end of the day it's not even about that there i'm just commenting on the interaction right exchange. well and, I, and i'm just trying to give people because this is the problem in the industry it's that we don't going back to the theme of this whole episode it's that individuals have difficulty determining how to make a choice about who to work with and whether or not what's been put in front of them is good or not. And I'm trying to give people ways to think about how to come to that decision without even trying to tell you what is or is not right or wrong. That's why I'm saying you want to articulate what you want to do. If you want to work with, if you want what Nelson taught, then that means certain things. Every illustration in becoming your own banker is illustrated out over what Nelson gives someone to be their lifespan. Okay, we're already thinking long-term. So don't come and talk to me about what the cash value is in year three. Or two. Right? I, what, or seven. Get, and the, <laughs> we break this down. And all my, my clients know, we break this down. We talk about policy design. We talk about what the trade-offs are. And there is, you know, it, it's about what's right for the individual. And it's, it's, I'm not dodging it when I say there's not a correct design. There is something that's appropriate for the individual. And I tell everybody who we talk to this, we're going to have an educational-style <clears throat> conversation where we establish some essentials about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And as we do that, and we're going to do it in terms of your numbers, and at the end of that, at the end of that conversation, it's going to be clear. It's going to be clear as day what the appropriate direction is, and I won't even have to tell you that. You'll see it. And that's when that that element of clarity. We talk about Nelson used to say, "IBC is more caught than it is taught." We talk about things clicking or a light bulb going on. All of those things. That moment of clarity comes when there is mutual understanding, and it there's no antagonism. There's no hostility. There's no imposition. There's no ego. It's just clear. And it's like, oh my gosh, how quickly. I had to, you were talking about uh, how high quality our clients are. I had right. to go back and have a second conversation with a, a gentleman who's about to go into underwriting because he wanted to pay so much premium. Life insurance companies don't listen to this anyway, but. The, Can't what, get it past the underwriter. Wanted to pay so much. I had to call him again and be like, listen, 
I, I know we're good. I mean, <laughs> I, I know you know what's going on, but I just want to know five years from now that I went back and had a second conversation with you just to make sure we're on the same page about just how much. And it's not even about the absolute value of the numbers. It was the percentage of this person's particular income. It was like... There are limitations to how much life insurance and how much premium anyone can pay. The only product in American finance where your ability to purchase does not determine how much you're allowed to buy. Ooh, Sam, say that again. Life insurance is the only product in American finance where your ability to pay does not determine yeah. how much you can buy. Samsung does not care how many TVs you get so long as you got the money to buy it. Yep. Right? Only business. And think about that. I mean, you know, the diamond in the rough, you know, you got to work for it to get it. You know, there, there's something to this here. It's like, <laughs> gee, why do they want to put, why does all of the American financial corporations, these big conglomerates and the U.S. federal government, why, and the, the reputation that dividend paying whole life has, the IRS, why are there all these powers that be that seem to want to prevent you from buying dividend paying whole life built correctly? Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Wonder why that is. Dink. Could it be? Keep that, your head down. Don't yeah, look up. Maybe, Nothing going on here. Maybe they want control of your cap. They tell you <laughs> it's oh, assets under management. Your assets under their management. They're telling you what they want to do. Yes, please. Let me get. Let me take your financial resources from you so that we can go use it to our benefit. That's. They're telling you what they want you to do, and it's the exact opposite in dividend paying whole life. So no coincidence there. You know, anyway, we, that's, we, we really didn't get into the dollar and the crash, which is they're very common questions. You know, what if the economy yeah. crashes? What if the dollar is replaced? But let me tell you, this is uh, July 11, 2020. There is the life insurance industry in the United States of America and the financial industry, the retirement industry in the United States of America. They are absolutely in the crosshairs of Congress. Mm. Uh, there is a legitimate, bona fide, articulated, planned, calculated effort to take over the financial industry in North America. And they want to do it just like they did the healthcare industry. So, and I'm saying that because it's true. Um, most people don't want to talk about it. Most people don't know about it, maybe. But I hear often, well, James, what's wrong with this? What if the uh, IRS changes their mind? You know, what if they, you know, change their mind that you can't access this money tax-free? Let me, you know as well as I do, so I'm not saying anything that you don't already know or suspect or haven't experienced. And I'm an American. I'm a U.S. citizen. This is the greatest country that man has ever put together uh, on the face of this earth. <clears throat> My opinion, um, and, and, and I think even better, was prior to the 12 tribes of Israel being, you know, operated without a king. All right. So there's that. And then all the shenanigans that have happened since then until now, this is, all right, am I clear? It's the greatest um, government that man has been able to put together as imperfect as it is. All right. But they are lazy. They do not have any money that unless they've, unless they've confiscated private property, uh, or they've created money out of thin air. They don't provide one legitimate service that can't better be performed by a truly free economy. All right, they're spending money, printing money out of thin air. You know, I don't know what it is. Eighty billion, forty billion. We can ask Dr. Murphy what you know the rate of money supply is and printing money. I don't know. It's staggering. It's who can even count that high taxes have to go up in the future mm -hmm. they must go up in the future so they're lazy and I, i'm just saying that i hear it all the time james when are they ever going to come after this are they ever going to change the rules my gosh yes they're going to come after it my gosh yes they're going to change the rules they always change the rules right um but i think they go after the easy money first yeah the largest yes. block of equities in the world is in the u.s retirement system IRAs, qualified plans. 401ks, qualified plans. Now, they've made an exception to the exception. All right. Here's onerous taxation. All right. That's an exception to the Constitution. All right. I mean, the permanent income tax, 1913, to pay off the Spanish-American War, 
that was started in 1918, 1898. Here we are. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just saying they're going to go after the easy money first. Right. Um, I could, I could. The last on the total, the last in line are dividend paying. Private contract. Whole life. And, and if and, I see them coming, everything that I have available is going to be outstanding in loans. And I, I'll be purchasing other real property that's cash flowing and appreciating. Well, let me tie this in there too, though, because I tell people, even when modified endowment contract rules came in prior to June of 1988, mm -hmm. Contracts put in force prior to that date were grandfathered in. Right. The tradition has been, and tradition is not everything. We it could be counteracted, no question. But the tradition has been when new regulation, new taxation, whatever it is, comes in, things that are already in force are typically grandfathered in, and it makes sense for the confiscators, right? They don't want to upset the current order, sure. And so they've they grandfather in people. It's who like the have tick in the dog. It's the tick in the host, the parasite in the host. They want to suck just enough blood so the host stays alive. Yeah, that's what they. It never works out that way, right? They always kill the host. Okay. Y yes, but, <laughs> but as far as like you know, really, what it is when, yeah. if, and when there are new regulations or new taxation imposed on a dividend paying home life, the current owners at that time will be the established interests. Sure. Yeah. Because the contract will have already been in force. And so I, the way I think of it is like, y'all can't get to this fast enough. Because yeah. there, it very well could be the case that rules get changed, as they have been, as they were in the 80s. No, right? wait, the government changed their mind on anything. Are you kidding? It never happens, right? <laughs> well, let me say, too, that inside the industry, not that, you know, I have a um, Tonto, you know, Lone Ranger Tonto has the ear to the ground. I have the, it, I'm like... Uh, the uh, Star Wars, the Rip in the Universe. If it's happening in the infinite banking world, I like to think I can feel it. You know? Okay. Um, and this is in the insurance industry, not the infinite banking world per se, but the uh, modified endowment contract guidelines have not been changed since 1986. And, and we have new mortality tables. Uh, three or four times. So, yeah. yeah, a lot of the a lot of the companies were uh, using the 1958 mortality table then 86, although they changed in 80, then they changed again in uh, 90 something, 2001, mm -hmm. and then recently, you know, 2017, which had to be implemented implemented by January 1 of 2020. Which there's a whole another uh, several episodes that we can talk about why the differences of what Nelson did in. Um, 1980 when he discovered it and printed the book in 2000 here we are in 20 I really find that the only people that have problems with the discrepancy are agents uh-huh yeah individuals that or or people who have like you know gone way too deep in the uh the noise oh yeah the marketing they email you their excel spreadsheets <clears throat> yeah but let me say that there the uh there's an awful lot of talk or expectation that the IRS is going to come around and adjust upward the modified endowment contract limit. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not holding my breath. Ah. You know, which they should, but I don't think, you know, they're too busy printing the money. The IRS, should, worry the only about. thing the IRS should do is go home. But listen, somebody turned off the air conditioning and you have a meeting coming up. All right, well, listen, I had fun. <laughs> and I got to shoot an intro. All right, thanks for listening. See y'all. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.